and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we will be directing your attention this week to Uncanny X-Men number 183, the July 1984 issue on sale April 10th of 1984 with a cover price of 60 cents. This one's titled, He'll Never Make Me Cry. And on the cover of He'll Never Make Me Cry is Colossus and the Juggernaut fist fighting. This is this is fisty cuffs. And uh, Nightcrawler and Wolverine are in the background in their civvies. Wolverine's holding a beer and they're just, uh, you know, Logan's casually checking out the show and, and uh, Nightcrawler's a little bit concerned. And Nightcrawler looks involved, but Wolverine or Logan is just kind of chilling. I've seen it. Been there, done that. Yeah, so, you know, not not a whole lot to t- talk about on this cover. Adam Why is Cyclops still in the box? He's he's not off the team yet. He just, you know, he's still on his honeymoon. Hmm. Um, is this the debut of that little Marvel M thing in the uh, little uh, head box there? I don't think so. I think we, we've... Have we? Have I just not noticed it in a while? Yeah, it definitely is not the debut. It was definitely the last issue. Um, it goes back. Nope, I went back to 175. It's still there. I'm pretty sure we talked about it when it showed up, though. Okay. All right. Well, for those of you that forgot, the little M that we're talking about is where the price and the number is. And uh, when it looked like an M, that was a comic retailer version. And when it was just the two boxes, that was a, uh, well, not direct market retailer, grocery store. Right. I'm I'm going all the way back to 160, 62 is where it appears to show up, 162. All right. I'm way behind the ball on this one. Uh, this, Adam, is one of the issues, uh, and I've talked about this before, right around the 180s is where my collection kind of picks up. Uh, but this particular issue, like the last issue, uh, 182 with Rogue fighting um, herself, basically, Carol Danvers, side of her persona. That was in my collection. I read that many times. This, however... Never in my collection until recently. Until recently? So you just picked it up? Well, it was a couple of years ago. There was a garage sale. I picked up a whole bunch of uh, filler issues that, that I was able... So I haven't actually gone through to see where I am at, but there's a very good chance that I have like a complete 150 to 300. Not sure, though. Wow. Yeah. Special. <laughs> I am. So let's open this thing up. Uh, there's really nothing else to talk about. It's a good cover. I mean, it's exciting looking. Uh, I think it's interesting, though, that uh, both Colossus and uh, Juggernaut, for the most part, uh, are not in their costumes. They're in their plain clothes. Uh, Juggernaut's the exception. It looks like he's busted out of a plain clothes jacket, and he's revealing his armor underneath it. But otherwise, he's got a pair of swank yellow pants. That's the same with Colossus. He's got a nice pink shirt on and uh yeah he's got no costume under there adam like his red you know colossus outfit is another he's just armored up he's wearing some jeans they're pretty tight from the looks of it big old belt buckle so yeah let's open this thing up it's uh it is he'll never cry it's written by chris claremont john romita jr and uh dan green are the artists 
Tom Morzikowski is the letterer, Glennis Ween is the colorist, and Anne Nocenti is a new editor for us, right? Or has she been editing for the last little bit? I think she... Uh, I think she was in the last issue. I think that might have been her first appearance. I think they 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 shared duties, Louise Jones and Anne Nocenti on the last one. And uh, Jim Shooter is the editor-in-chief. I mean, him Shooter. True dad. So Peter and Kitty are sitting up on a hilltop. They're talking. Yeah. There's a, it's a big scene about uh, Peter finally reveals all about Jaji from Secret Wars. What? Remember Secret Wars, Jeremy? Uh, no, no, <laughs> no, no. I, uh, wait, wait. No, nothing. So you have no idea what they're talking about right now. No, I have no idea. I don't know who the Zaji person is either because he he just he just says uh, and I got to respect Peter for this, right? Cuz Kitty's like, "What's going on? You guys got kidnapped, taken away to a different universe," which I don't know what she's talking about there, but whatever. You know, the X-Men are always going off on universal trips. <laughs> uh I'm uh, I'm hurt. Did anything interesting happen out there? And instead of Peter being like, "Well, stuff he just comes right out and is like, I met someone, I fell in love. And it's like, oh, you know, good on you, I guess, right? I mean, we'll learn more about that whole thing later, but he doesn't drag it out. He doesn't string her along. That's kind of respectable, even though, you know, the whole situation kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, so Kitty's like, oh, you know, and they go back and forth. Gloss is like, I didn't mean for it to happen, but it happened, and I'm in love. And He's not beating around the bush. He could perhaps be a little bit more tactful, but he he okay, so I'll give you that. He might be uh being a little too blunt. <laughs> yeah. He's not really softening up the punches. And in fact, uh, you know, Kitty's like, Was she pretty? And he's like, as beautiful as the dawn, as gentle as a spring rain. And Kitty's thinking to herself, Wait a minute, what happened to I'm not so good with words? <laughs> you were lying to me the whole time. To express what he felt in his heart and soul, I guess he found the words for her, never for me. That's rough. So it is rough. This is this is the breakup, right? Uh, and and Peter, yeah, I mean, he's being pretty cold about the whole thing. Uh, and he goes on to talk about how she died in his arms. Uh, again, I don't know what, what they're talking about, but something <laughs> happened. I assume this was like an issue of Thor or something that we just didn't cover. You still don't remember Thinker Wars, huh? Uh, <laughs> no, I remember, Adam, there was a stretch of podcasts we did that, um, I, I bored me. <laughs> Honestly, I don't, re- did she die in his arms? I can't remember. If I remembered what it was that we read, I think I would also say that I don't recall. Okay. <laughs> well, that's great. <laughs> so there you go. And so, you know, Kitty eventually is like, uh, I gotta go. Right. I mean, there's a lot of words here and a lot of dialogue back and forth. And Kitty's thinking to herself, like, shut up, Peter. You're killing me. And this is very hard for me. It's easy for me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Why don't you call me Katya anymore, Peter? Have I changed? I have. My feelings have. I care deeply for you, Kitty. But the love I felt, the commitment is no longer there. Peace out. Hey, God. Why me? What I ever do to deserve this? It isn't fair. It isn't right. Well, we can be friends, right? Let's get out of here. <laughs> I hope we can remain friends because I don't understand the concept of how to relate to women at all. <laughs> right. Uh, Kitty, you know, she's like, we're X-Men. Nothing's going to break that 
bond. But I gotta go. Got homework. See ya. I'm out of here. She bolts off across the field, heading back towards the mansion. She gets back to the campus. Storm's been watching for the window, and she surmises that Storm must know, and, well, everybody must know. I can handle things fine. I'll make you proud, Storm. I'll be as strong and tough and heartless as you. Then she feels bad for saying that and thinks to herself, that was cruel. She cares. Maybe she was trying to warn me when she told me nothing lasts. That in the end, we all live our lives alone. So she heads up to her uh, room that she shares with Ilyana. Uh, Ileana's doing some homework, and they kind of have a, hey, how'd it go with my brother? Is that a microfiche machine? It, it, I think it's supposed to be a computer, but it definitely looks like a microfiche machine. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, maybe the professor's like, Ileana, you do not need a computer. All you need is good old-fashioned microfiche. Now start scanning newspaper articles. That's my microfiche sound. <laughs> really, I did not. I don't have a, a sound associated with microfiche in my brain. I, I just recall, you know, movies when when you need a clue about something that happened forty years ago. You go to the library, and within like an hour, you find the newspaper article that pinpoints the person that you need to go talk to next. Well, that's because everybody in the movies is a hell of a researcher. <laughs> exactly. And meanwhile, that little microfiche machine is going <laughs> as you're flipping through all the articles. But faster, right? It's it's more like a. Well, that's that's when they're in like super montage mode, yeah. And then there's like streaming music behind it, you know, or orchestral build up, and then dun dun dun. He lived on a farm outside of town. That's why the street was named after him. What? <laughs> Anyhow, uh, Kitty lays in bed. She tries to uh, put off the conversation with Ileana and play it off cool, but she can't. She starts crying. And uh, Ileana and her share a hug. It's a tender moment. Totally. Made even more tender by Lockheed the Dragon saying, Cool, cool. Meanwhile, in the danger room, Rogue is in a solo combat sequence, and she's beating the crap out of some robots. But eventually the robots get the upper hand. They move in for the kill. Do you think this is Colosso Mark IV? <laughs> I can only hope so. So, yeah, uh, uh, Rogue's on the ground because she got punched in the back, and we'll call him Colosso Mark IV, is going in for the kill. Uh, But from off-panel, someone zaps it with a lightning bolt. There's a weird uh, panel here where it says Aurora's hand flashes to the abort switch, terminating the exercise, but instead of shutting it down, the robot moves in for the kill. They need to fix the danger room. (laughs) Right. This seems like a big problem. Yeah. The danger room is broken, Jeremy. They're going to have to talk to the professor about that. And I bet they're not going to because they don't even mention it again. So Storm is able to blast the robot. She gets down there and she's like, What's, uh, what is going on? Why would you run a program like that by yourself? You could have died. It's my life, Aurora, to do with as I please. I'm the boss. You're my responsibility. By the way, what happened with you and Michael Rossi? You've been crazy ever since. I am crazy. I'm not telling you. Don't bottle up your emotions. We're a team. We're here to help. So why don't you talk with me? No. (laughs) You only want to talk to me because you're wearing gloves. You know that I steal powers and I'm the new Cyclops and I have to complain about it all the time. My hands. My deadly hands. (laughs) So she runns away. Just leave me alone. Oh, 
Storm is thinking to herself, Ugh, of all of the weekends, Professor, for you to take a vacation, everything's falling apart. She might, Rogue might go back to the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Jeez. Oh, no. And then Kitty? She's talking with Ileana? She's crying? Ugh, can't even handle this right now. I love Peter dearly, but better he had died on the Beyonders world, which you don't know what that is. I don't know what a Beyonder is. Then return to bring my kitten such grief. That's a major thing. She just wished that Peter had died. Yeah. Right. It's a big deal. <laughs> heat of the moment. Emotional roller coaster. It was the heat of the moment. Exactly. Uh, Logan is standing, I guess, inside of Colossus's room, smoking a cigarette. He's been waiting for a while. There's just like a pile of cigarette butts all over the floor. He knows how to make them last. <laughs> hey, we need to go get a cigarette run. <laughs> Wolverine? I was trying to clear my thoughts, and now I want to go to bed. Nope, you're going to the bar with me. I don't want to. I don't give you a choice. Nightcrawler is bamfing around as Wolverine and Colossus go to the car and... Wolverine, you promised you wouldn't do anything without me. So this this is a plan. I kind of think that Wolverine didn't want Nightcrawler there. Oh, no, not at all. Stupid elves always wrecking things. <laughs> So he teleports inside of the car that uh, Logan and Colossus are driving away in. They complain about the scent of of uh, Nightcrawler's teleportation. I'll open the window. Wonderful. I know you'd prefer seeing Peter by yourself, Logan, but occasionally it's useful to have a referee along as well, just in case things get out of hand, because you guys are going to fight. <laughs> So Kitty is in her room and she's packing up her suitcase. Uh, she is going to go visit her dad because it's been a while. <laughs> she phoned the professor, explained things. They had a good talk and the professor gave her permission to uh, go away. And maybe afterwards, after she's done hanging out with her dad, she'll go, she'll go stop by her mom. She doesn't know how long she'll be gone, but uh, I'm, I'm thinking at least six issues. The professor gave his permission, so it's okay. Is this goodbye? Part of me wants it to be. I can't stop crying, but I'll die before I let Peter see my tears. He doesn't deserve them, and I don't care how unfair that sounds. He'll never see me cry. That's the title of the issue. Kitty hates Peter with all of his heart, and yet, as the camera pans out, she says she loves him. It's a really nice sequence of panels. They're all they're all the same width, and they get smaller and smaller, and they all zoom out. Yeah, I like some of these some of these drawings that uh, John Romita Jr. does of Kitty are really good, and some of them are not so good. But all in all, it's a very it's a very poignant emotional sequence. He's finding himself. It's good stuff. Meanwhile, in Dallas, uh, Valerie Cooper and... The Baroness. Yeah. Well, Valerie Cooper is not the Baroness, but... She's riding. She's riding with the Baroness. Riding with the Baroness. Otherwise known as Raven Darkholm, who is the Deputy Director of the Defense Agency Resource Planning Agency. Somehow, Mystique has a job working for the... She's the Deputy Director of the Defense Advanced Research Planning Agency, and somehow she did this under her own name. Well, and that that is a heck of a feat to uh, accomplish, right? We're talking about a very high-level position in the federal government 
Right. These jobs don't grow on trees. <laughs> right. There's only one deputy director of defense of advanced research planning agency. There's not like a whole, you know, building full of them and cubicles and whatnot. Like this is a very high level position. The next person in line would be the director of defense. Uh, and that person would probably re uh, reply. Uh, I'm sorry, would probably report to either the joint chiefs of staff or the president. Right. So how did she do this? That's what I want to know. I mean, we know her set of powers would make it very easier for her to do this by replacing somebody, but she's using her own name. Do we know that this is her own name? Do you think that all of this whole time she replaced somebody who is a high government official and just kept that name forever? I don't know. Did or you... did some writer forget? <laughs> it's probably the latter. But did you ever read the Mystique series? Nah. Neither did I. So I'm wondering maybe if it's covered in there. There has to be a plucky writer out there somewhere who is like, hmm, I wonder how Raven Darkholm made it so far in the U.S. government while being an evil mutant. <laughs> I'm going to write that story. Well, anyway, yeah, so she's she's driving a car, uh, and, and Val Cooper, she is the, uh, what is she? Uh, she's the, uh, she, she's just of the National Security Council. So, you know, they're they're high up in the U.S. government. Uh, and I think Valerie Cooper is like, we got to get those mutants. Uh, Bob Kelly's mutant affairs bill certainly stirred up the hornet's nest we expected, see? This is the year for anti-government paranoia, Destro. Thank you, George Orwell, see? So they have like their little philosophical debate that mutants are weapons and we really need to get our develop our own weapons before the Russians do. And Raven's like, you can't just, you know, they're they're born. You can't make a mutant. And Val's like, true, not yet, but you know, there's alternative means of detecting and deterring hostile activity. Hopefully, your man Forge C can provide them. Forge? What would yeah, you say, Forge. Valerie? What would you say, Valerie, if you knew that I was one of those beings that you're so concerned about? Not merely a mutant, but a terrorist, Mystique, leader of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Aww. Whatever. She's going to take any means to protect herself and her own. You're both beaten before you've begun, and quite possibly as good as dead, she smiles to herself, most Baroness-like. Meanwhile, at Monahan's in the West Village. A classic bar in Manhattan. Is it? Well, in, in the X-Men universe. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, they, it's dim, it's dingy. I mean, this is a, this is a bar's bar. Ain't no messing around here. And in the corner, you got Logan, uh, Peter, and Nightcrawler drinking some beers. I'm trying to figure out what the bartender's shirt says. It says, looks like the front says, don't bother the bartender, maybe? And then the back says something about female. Yeah, I'm surprised it doesn't say, like, bikini inspector or something stupid. <laughs> And the bartender, he turns around because uh, Nightcrawler wants to know uh, what the first round's going to be. And he says they got whiskey and they got draft. But I got to see some ID from that young fella over there, referring to Colossus. Colossus, as we learn, is nearly 20. Oh, my. Yeah. Nightcrawler is amused that uh, Peter's being carded. You see, boys and girls, this is in an age when the drinking age was 18 and not 21. That's right. Yeah. So what? He's legal. I know your intentions for tonight, Logan. If you're smart and elf, you'll stay out of my way. He deserves a spanking. If he's a man, though, it's time he faced the consequences of his actions. Either way, I'm taking a piece out of him because I'm overeating. Hours later, after many beers, there's a bunch of people at this bar. It's gotten busier and busier. 
Uh, right in the middle of a panel is this huge guy necking with some girl. Yeah. It's like the Hulk it's, or something. It is the Hulk. <laughs> Hulk want beer, then smash beer. So they have a, they're getting into a kind of a, a rowdy conversation. Starts out with Wolverine saying, yo, kitty, an explanation. Or yo, kitty, an apology. And us an explanation. I told you I fell in love with another. Is that a crime? What you felt wasn't love. Well, how do you know? Are your enhanced animal senses able to sense or see into my heart? By what right do you have to tell me how to run my life? Nightcrawler and I had a conversation about it. Oh. Love. <laughs> I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. I'm confused. You're hurting two people I care for. Yourself, dummy, and kitty. Oh. Kitty's not a kid anymore. You two were going around playing games. You were thinking marriage, a life together. At the same time, you suddenly had competition from Doug Ramsey. Someone Kitty's age, as smart as her, with the same upbringing and interests. It's easy to moon over a lost love to fantasize over what might have been, secure in the knowledge that it'll never happen. It makes a great excuse for not facing the risks and reality uh, and demands of reality. So Wolverine's basically saying, you took the coward's way out of your relationship with Kitty because you saw some competition, you didn't want to fight, and you basically use the opportunity of Secret Wars to uh, have a fling, which the fling isn't really the problem, I suppose, in the in the parlance of this conversation, but more of the, the abandonment issues or the, the abandonment that he's putting on Kitty because he fell in love. They're basically saying, what you felt was a fling. It wasn't real. I don't know. Deal what, with it. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. <laughs> but But I get it. Um, Colossus brings up the Wolverine walked away from Mariko and he says, well, I love Mariko because she asked me to. Our separation is a matter of honor and duty. For us, that trans is, uh, tra transcends love no matter how much it hurts. I'm a man. You're a boy. If I had truly loved Kitty Wolverine, how could I so easily have fallen for another? I told you before, you're scared. Whoa, I know that scent. Wolverine thinks to himself. He looks over. We get some interesting scent vision. Yeah, Which I, I guess is what this is. It's kind of neat. I mean, he's he he smells it, and it's not quite in focus. Not quite in focus. Getting closer. Bingo! There it is. So it takes four panels for him to to hone in on what's triggering his senses. I, I like it. And it uh, it turns out that it is, uh, well, a big guy with red hair. I mean, I guess from the cover, it's Kane Marco. I'm just giving it away. It's Kane Marco. Dog or not? Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that. The audience uh, of 1984 would would know that maybe because I don't know that we've seen him without his helmet. Mm. Certainly, we haven't seen him without his Juggernaut costume. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, we saw him before he got his Juggernaut costume. Right in X Men like 11 or, or four, well, whatever X Men issue that was, 12 or 13. But yeah, anyways, that that was a long time ago, Adam. He's in civvies, relaxed and on the prowl. It's like the X-Men are the last thing on his mind, which suits me my, which suits me fine. We better get out of here. We don't want to cause any crazy attention. On your feet, boy, you need some air. Borderhead elf, meet us outside. I'll explain later. Peter yeah. is now, I think, had a couple too many, and he's like, hey, oh, I don't want to leave. And he stands up, and I don't know how he spills his drink here. He must trip over a chair or something. Wolverine does not touch him at all. No, he, he doesn't. I... It's not well illustrated here, but I tend to think that he's maybe had one too many. So it's like he, a drunken stumble. He stands up quickly and he's like, whoa. Uh, and he's angry. Emotions are flaring. Uh, so, yes, it's a drunken stumble. And he tosses his beer backward 
which happens to be on the head of one Kane Marco. Hey, says Kane Marco. Oh, forgive me. It was an accident. I will happily repay. Darn straight bozo. Only, well, we don't, do we have a juggernaut voice? I don't know. It's probably sounds just like our blob voice. <laughs> Darn straight bozo. <laughs> Holy money ain't good enough. I'm taking it out of your head. Oof. Uh, Peter gets pushed by juggernaut. He goes flying out the front of the building. Gets pushed through a door. He transforms into Colossus. And he comes through the door, making uh, doing even more damage. Uh, that would have killed me if I wasn't Colossus, you jerk. But now I will give you a fight you will never forget. And this is a little, um, um, I don't know. He, he doesn't know that this is Juggernaut. He just thinks that this is some big redheaded guy. So for him to armor up and, like, want to start fighting this guy. Well, the guy just pushed him through a door, which, yeah, you know, to be but, fair, would have killed a normal guy. True, but Colossus being on the team of the x-men should be like well that wasn't very nice let's go home before more damage occurs he's had a little bit to drink he's embarrassed all right his friends have been riding him all night fair enough nightcrawler he wants to jump into the action he's like well we better stop this fight the man at the bar hasn't a prayer wolverine's like nope stay back let's see what happens here i'm gonna watch this show so colossus and juggernaut uh fight they're just basically trading Ju- juggernaut what oh i'm sorry kane marco it's the juggernaut from the cover adam i already spoiled that it's the <laughs> juggernaut the people in the bar are all like ogling they're all kind of drunk faced but they're all kind of like whoa it's crazy someone should call the cops the girl that kane marco was mooching on uh moves off to somebody else and says how kind you are and handsome i feel so much safer with you beside me so she's already moved on. Are you sure? Yes. All right. Because the girl that he was snuggling up to has a purple shirt, but this woman has a yellow shirt, which could be a coloring issue. Uh, I think that is her jacket is purple, but her blouse is green. Okay. All right. It's definitely the same girl. All right. I mean, that would, I guess, maybe make sense. It. You'll. I'll, I'll point it out later. Okay, fine. Anyways, they uh, they continue fighting, and they're wrecking the bar. They're yelling at each other. They smash the bar, and then Juggernaut picks up the bar and smashes it over Colossus's head. Colossus wonders why Wolverine and Nightcrawler are just watching. They're, they're using the beams of the place to attack each other. Uh, Juggernaut says, I come home to this lousy crummy bird for lousy... Wait, what is he? Is he Scottish or something? No, uh, Black Tom Cassidy is. This guy is oh. an American. Oh, okay. I come home to this crummy bug for a lousy visit and wham, that lousy wall crawler traps me in a block of solid concrete. Remember that? I finally bust my way out and head for my favorite bar for a little R&R. I meet a nice lady. Things click for myself for, for once. For once, I'm enjoying myself and then you muck it up. Wait a minute. Did we read Spider-Man 230? Yeah. Okay. That's the one where Juggernaut uh, just takes a walk. He yeah. has to walk from one side of the town to the other, and Spider-Man tries to stop him, and eventually blocks him in a, a block of solid concrete, and we never knew, figured out what happened to him. So does did that take place right before that, or is this a bit like many months later? Um, well, it was published a while back. Oh, okay. Fair enough. You, who knows how long he was in that block of concrete? <laughs> well, I think we know he doesn't have to breathe, right? So he could have been there for months before somebody came yeah, and rescued him. You know. So yeah, uh, Juggernaut picks up the bar and drops it on Colossus's head, and now the bar 
goers are like, this is serious. We got to get out of here. So they all run out of the Monahans. The chicks split. Great. Thanks a lot, potato brain. <laughs> That's another one you owe me. Uh, too bad you're already flattened, chump. I was just getting started. What a surprise, comrade. So was I. He jumps out of the crushed bar, attacks Juggernaut from behind, and they they are now out in the alleyway punching and fighting each other. Logan, the bar's in shambles. We have to do something. That's Juggernaut, pal, the closest thing on earth to an irresistible force. Look, if insurance won't cover the damages, I will. This is one scrap worth paying for. Uh, we should mention that somebody in the crowd says, thank goodness your insurance covers superhero battles. Yeah. Hey, these days in a Big Apple, you can't survive without it. Uh, I don't know how Wolverine would be able to afford the repairs on this bar. There is easily $40,000 worth of damage. He's got a trust fund. Ah, sure. Well, he he probably... All he had to do was open a bank account when he was 10. <laughs> exactly. I just deposited $1 when I was 10 years old, and now I'm a multimillionaire. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they, they keep punching uh, each other. They're Now they're back into the bar. Um, Juggernaut says, this is what my partner Black Tom Cassidy called a coup de grace, and he rips up a load-bearing wall and drops the entire building on top of both Juggernaut and Colossus. And he gets out, top dead if you feel if you can, and then he sees Wolverine and Nightcrawler and you looking for a piece of this action? Nope. Wolverine says, nope. Smart play, shrimp. You tell the kid from, uh, you tell the kid from me he did himself proud. He's got guts and heart, and he throws a right mean cross. But if him or any of you X-Men get in my way again, even by accident, I won't be so nice. And he, he tosses Wolverine a big wad of money and says, this is for the owner to fix the place. hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Which is super nice of Juggernaut, but you, you got to know that that's stolen money, right? <laughs> BC and ya, he takes off, and uh, Wolverine and Nightcrawler dig... Colossus out from underneath the rubble. You let me fight alone. You didn't even try to stop him. We are X-Men. We are supposed to stand by each other. That's the theory. But you betrayed that trust. Oh, yeah? We stand together, is that right? Through thick and thin no matter what? Yes. We go to the wall for each other? Yes. Pay any price, make any sacrifice for lives, even our honor? Where are you going with this? Well, Kitty did all that for you, and look what you did to her. She's only 14. She was going to marry a Morlock just to save you. How do you feel about that? You didn't even ever say thank you. Why don't you think about that for a little while? Ooh, hardcore this. Burn. And Nightcrawler's like, you're very harsh. But, uh, you know, Wolverine's like, hey, come on. He's being selfish. He never even considered what Kitty did for her. And, and here we are. So it's like the boy just cut her out of his heart. He owed her a blood debt obligation and he welched. Body can't do that, especially to someone they love more so to someone they respect. I'm glad he had to learn the hard way. It's a taste of what he did to Kitty. He knows now what he did. Next time, whatever the outcome, he'll act from choice, not ignorance. Or yeah, probably not Wolverine. Come on. <laughs> Takes more than one lesson for somebody to learn something. Is there hope, Logan? Will there be a next time for Peter and Kitty? That's no there. That's their business, pal. Their decision. Their lives. And this is when we cut to the rooftop where we could actually see from that panel that something's going on up there. And that the girl from the bar is making out with the dude from the bar that she left with. 
one that she was saying, you're so nice. And then it turns out that she's not actually making out with him. She's feasting on his soul. Yes. Unfortunately, you are but a morsel. That man mountain I chose earlier would have been a feast. Uh-huh. <laughs> After 2,000 years of exile, Selene is once more free to walk the wide, wonderful world. The WWW. <laughs> Celine is once more. I want to hunt and I want to rule. Um, and so Celine is a weird character for me because she's in a few issues of the X-Men, but then she completely disappears. So I don't know if she becomes more of a new mutants villain. I don't know either. But I know I know she there was a Celine story maybe five years ago that I read. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I don't know nothing between now and then. Next issue, The Past of Future Days. What? And actually, uh, there's, a, there's a little teaser uh, in this issue, a full-page spread. It says, don't call them X-Babies anymore. Find out what's new in the New Mutants by Chris Claremont and Bill Sinkovich. So yeah. we'll have to do that later, Adam. Let's do it now. <laughs> you think so? Might as well. Just jump right into it. Let's do it. Let's jump. All Might right. as well jump. Do you want to do the, do we do the in-between stuff first? I don't remember how this show goes. <laughs> this show is off the wheels, everybody. It's got no rules anymore. Uh, yeah, no, no. So, uh, uh, well, first of all, that was a good issue. Yeah, that was a great issue. That was, that was powerful stuff. There was no real superhero, supervillain battle. Uh, there Often were, that's the best. There was hardly any costumes. Uh, in fact, there was no costumes. It was a soap opera. Yeah, and uh, the good guys lost, essentially. Uh, yeah, that's true. Uh, except, I mean, Wolverine's point was made for him, so, I mean, that's that's kind of a win for Wolverine. He didn't have to uh, beat up Colossus. Although, I think that's a fight that I would have liked to have seen. Well, you did see it. Well, no, I, uh, I would have liked to have seen Wolverine, you know, fighting with Colossus. Oh, fighting Colossus. Eh, this was smart storytelling, though. You don't want the heroes to fight. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. This was the right way to go, but... I just don't know if uh, a Wolverine fight with Colossus would have the same impact as the Juggernaut fight. Well, that's that's again why it's a smart smart yes. story uh, choice. So, so yeah, uh, we we got a little bit of feedback this week, uh, and it's a it's a question that's been plaguing me for a while. It it's from Eric McIntosh, uh, and he wants to know why Adam pronounced scroll as scroll. Yeah. And um, before you answer that question, Adam, I'm going to I want to ask you another question. Um um there is a a bone underneath your head skin. What is that bone called? <laughs> your head skin bone? <laughs> well, well, what's the bone or the the big Are you referring to the skull? The skull. Or as as we normal people like to call it, the skull. I don't know. <laughs> yes, that's what I, I don't was... have an I don't have an answer to any of these questions. That's that's why I uh yeah, that's why I asked. I scroll, scroll. I, I don't know. I, I think it's a common thing. I, I It's a made up word. I, I knew people uh growing up that would re, that would use the word skull instead of skull. And I think it's just a common mispronunciation. The thing that happens, Eric McIntosh. I'm sorry if uh I'm in I'm not going to change. Well, not, uh, not for Eric McIntosh, you are. <laughs> if I could, I would. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't. But honestly, I just said uh, this is just the way that I. Uh, this is the way that I am. You should have blamed it you, on. You got to love me for who I am. You should have blamed it on your uh, your your New England 
upbringing and the accent that came along with it. I blame it on Canton, New York. <laughs> yes, lots of lots of poor pronunciation in Canton, New York. I don't even. It's probably shouldn't even be Canton. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's that's really all the feedback we got. So yeah, if you've got questions about why I pronounce certain things certain ways, you, you're more than welcome to ask. Because uh, I learned it that way. <laughs> I learned it that way. Because <laughs> I'm a merkin. <laughs> you're you're a merkin, huh? Yeah. Uh, all right. So yeah, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, do so. We're at uh, www.redcapproductions.com. That's actually not an, even an address you should use anymore. <laughs> We're at www.xmenpodcast.com, uh, or you can email us at redcatproductions.com forward slash, no, gosh, I can't do this, dangerroom at redcatproductions.com, facebook.com forward slash dangerroompodcast, at dangerroomgo. We're available on Stwit, Switcher, man. <laughs> available. <What's> Stuart? <laughs> I don't know. Adam Mac or, or Eric McIntosh going to be like, why does Jeremy pronounce Stitcher as Switcher? <laughs> That's a really good question. I don't know why I do that. Uh, we're on iTunes. You can go there. You can subscribe to us. Just go there. Type in Danger Room. We're the first thing that pops up. Uh, subscribe. Leave us uh, some feedback if you'd like. Uh, or you can call us 501-GET-X-MEN. There's uh, just a ton of ways for you to get a hold of us. So many ways. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, New Mutants, number 18. Want to talk about that one? Yeah, man. <clears throat> this is... Uh, I got to be honest. Um... I read this in the next two issues like three or four weeks ago because uh, we haven't covered New Mutants in a while. And I think we, we both read New Mutants number 17 because that was the finishing up of the, what, the uh, Hellions storyline, I think. And yes. uh, this is a, a marked departure from the past storytelling and artwork. And I really like it. It is uh, Bill Sienkiewicz. Um We've seen him in the Dracula issues of X-Men, but this is on a whole other level. This is something that I would have looked at uh, as a teenager or a younger kid and would have absolutely hated. I would have thought that this is bad artwork. But I look at it through adult eyes and I'm like, this is this is really inspired. Like this guy wanted to – he's telling me a story. And, he, and his artwork throughout the three-issue arc – we're only going to cover the first issue. Uh, I feel like it's m more abstract as he goes, which I really like. Yeah, I think he's really given a uh, the opportunity to go as abstract as he wants, which is cool. I imagine that New Mutants isn't selling very well at this point, so they're like, bah, whatever you want to do, go nuts, have fun. Well, not only that, but I think Bill Sienkiewicz is fairly popular at this time, so it's a combination of just going like, all right, let's give it to Bill Sienkiewicz, let's let him do what he wants, and maybe we'll make some sales. So, yeah, Chris Claremont's Bill Sienkiewicz. Uh there's uh, basically the same creative staff, Glenna Sween, Orzakowski, Nascenti, Shuter. It's basically an X-Men comic just drawn by Sienkiewicz. There's a whole bear thing that I don't really care about. <laughs> what I do care about is what starts on page two. It talks about Professor Xavier's mansion and how it's been like a place for mutants to go and and be safe and learn how to use their abilities. But not anymore because it just freaking blew up. Yeah, and uh, do we we know this person from Days of Future Past, right? She was she was in that, wasn't she? I don't know if you're a, a, an astute reader, you probably are drawing that conclusion. But I don't think there's anything on this page or even in this issue that says uh, this is the same girl that uh, did the mind transfer of Kitty. I think you could draw that conclusion, but I don't think it doesn't say it. 
Well, you definitely you definitely can figure out based on the dialogue that she is from the future. Right. So she runs in after this after the mansion is blown up and it looks like it's a devastating explosion. So but I guess it's just the top portion of the mansion blew up. She's using her telekinetic powers to make kind of a force field uh, that her mom and the professor taught her. Uh, but it's not working very well because she's just not strong. Cause she's she's pretty young and she's she's running to the professor. More and more debris is getting through and hitting her and hurting her. The professor back in his wheelchair at the at the window uh, tells her to get downstairs where she'll be safe in the danger room. And uh, he he uh, he hoists himself up. Uh, he he needs to try and stop this uh, slaughter. And I think what we're seeing here is a far away panel from the mansion, and maybe like tanks and airships heading towards the mansion. I think. Definitely cannons. And so he hoists himself up using the curtains because he can't stand under his own power. And he's like, okay, uh, everybody has surrounded the mansion, so now I'm going to use my telepathic powers to try and reach their commander. And then he shouts, we mean no harm, we surrender. And he gets just in a two-page spread shot through the chest. His chest explodes. And we're not talking about like a little flesh wound. Like we're talking, I don't know. A shotgun? I don't know, just like big, big old blasters, blood. He's pushed back uh, quite a ways. He's he's dead. She and uh, we see that this the, the the young girl who is maybe a little bit older in this in this is having a uh, this is a flashback. She's remembering these things, and she says she thinks to herself, "The soldiers found me in the ruins by his side, the only survivor. They used drugs to neutralize my psi talent. The torture came later in prison." It's hard to believe that all this, all, all I remember my life hasn't even happened yet. And if I'm lucky, if my plan works, perhaps it never will. So the only thing that maybe an astute reader uh, at this time might be like a little thrown on is the girl in Days of Future Past, Rachel. She's called in that uh, uh, issue. She's got kind of like a, like a, not a mop top, but kind of a longer-ish hair. Uh, short and mousy, but this girl definitely has like a very short, buzzy Annie Lennox haircut. Mm-hmm. So different hairstyles. So you're kind of like, well, is it? I mean, they're both redheads. I suppose if you're if you're a New Mutants reader and not an X Men reader, yeah, you probably have no idea what's going on. Right. So it's cool on a couple of levels because they're introducing a character, and you're like, well, what's this going to be all about? And then X Men readers are like, hmm, I wonder if this ties in. So yeah, yeah if I if I was an X Men reader who was thought that Days of Future Past was awesome. I would probably have an idea of what was going on, but not necessarily where this was going. Right. Uh, so she's kind of standing outside of Xavier's. A uh, police officer shows up. Um, this woman is like, God, I, I look terrible. Uh, the cop probably thinks I'm on drugs or a runaway. So she says, hey, I'm, I'm just, I'm here to see Professor Xavier. Is that cool? Cop's like, yep, no problem. It's going to snow soon, so you might want to get in there quick. Is it going to snow soon? <laughs> what he says, the forecast says snow. Take care. Wow. You absolutely can't tell that from what she's standing around, but okay. It's, it, it does snow later in the issue, so it makes sense. Uh, one thing that, that they don't do too often is like these panels get smaller and smaller and smaller until they're like postage stamp size. That's true. Which is generally not a, you know, a, a well-used uh, um, artist trait, but I kind of like it here. Packing in a lot of information into these pages. 
Uh, meanwhile, in a in a really cool two page spread, um, you get uh, Bill's portrayal of the New Mutants in the Danger Room, uh, and and it looks great. But I don't care about any of this. Yeah. So to summarize the rest of the issue, oh well, I guess we do see yeah, her there's, again. There's a little bit so, more. So there's some there's some New Mutants stuff. They're fighting in the Danger Room. Uh, Sam's got a crush on Amara and he's doing some showy stuff and ends up getting them both in trouble. And, uh, Danny is talking to Ileana about the soul bear or something like that. We talked a little bit about that in last episode, but you know, whatever. We don't care. There's some discussion about how Ileana sort of trusts Danny with all of her secrets, but Danny isn't trusting Ileana with her own, uh, secrets. Um, they kind of wonder about the whole thing with the last issue where they went a year forward into the future and saw that the Numians were buddies with the Hellions in, in the White Queen's power, uh, under the White Queen's power. So they don't know if that's destined to happen. Right. Um, and then the doorbell rings. Ileana, she takes off down there. She shoes Lockheed away saying, hey, you know the rules. Strangers can't see you. She opens the door and it's that uh, short-haired, red-headed girl who's like, Professor Xavier, please, it's very important. I, I, it can't be. Excuse me, but what is your name? I'm awfully sorry, but he's in Massachusetts. He should be back tomorrow. Uh, I'm Ilrana, Ilyana Rasputin. I'm Ilyana Rasputin. Can I give him a message if he phones? Wait, wait, why are you running? What are you? The girl runs away, and she thinks she she yells, "No, no, no! What have I done?" She said she was Colossus's little sister, but she's a teenager. The Ileana I remember was killed with Professor Xavier when the army destroyed the mansion. That won't happen for years yet. How can Ileana be the same age now as she was the day I saw her die? It's very confusing time traveling. Uh, yeah. The next bit's uh about. A, a, um, uh, it's the intro of Warlock. Damn it. <laughs> All right. Yes, it's the intro of Warlock and Magus, um, which will kind of enter the pages of um, the X-Men. But really, we we don't learn their names in this issue, Adam. You kind of spoiled it. We learn that there's like a father and son robotic alien thing that are chasing each other across the galaxy. Yeah, sorry for spoiling it. I feel I feel like I wanted to spoil it, though, because like, this I feel like this part of the story is 100% Bilson Kevich. He's just like I want to create a weird alien thing in my style and I'm going this is going to kind of become the central focus and I'm going to have it, all of the rest of my style go around this. So this is an introduction that I feel is very important to this part of the run. Oh, sure, absolutely. And we'll talk about it as we go through. Um page 17 there's a gigantic Gigantic bear picture, which is pretty sweet, heavily inked, big claws heading out towards Danny. Uh, bottom line is they they're she's fighting her soul bear, the bear that killed her grandparents or parents or whatever. Yeah, at first she does it in the danger room because she wants to prepare um, for it, and then she goes out into the night. Yeah, uh, the the winter, the snow has started, and that bear is freaking huge, and she. Manages to kill it, or so she thinks. Um, but when she turns away, I'm not sure. Does the, does the bear open its eye, or or are we just getting a, a dead image of the bear? I at any rate don't know. I don't care. <laughs> Whatever happened, the new mutants wake up because they hear her scream, or I guess Rain hears her scream because she has the psychic connection to her, 
and uh, they discovered Danny's body bloodied, and uh, she's possibly dead to be continued. That's where the issue ends. Sure is. Show enough. What else did you read, Adam? I read Defenders number 133, which was another uh, one-off issue, um, which introduced two new characters, which it feels like they were trying to spin off uh, some sort of weird detective story with these two characters, Cutlass and Typhoon, and um, it kind of went nowhere. And then I read Alpha Flight number 12, which um, featured Alpha Flight versus Omega Flight. It's a double-sized issue. It's a big battle issue, and it ends with Vindicator uh, not only dying, but getting incinerated. Holy crap. So, uh, right in front of his wife, Heather. Wow. She enters the room, and she's like, James! And he's like, Heather, get out of here! Ah!" (laughs) And he turns into a pile of dust. Jeez. He'll be back, though. Oh, of course. (laughs) Wow. All right, then. That's good stuff. Anything else? John Burns' writing, uh, drawing is starting to look a little bit more like uh, Barry Windsor Smith in this issue. That's not a bad thing. No, it's not. It's 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 kind of neat. Speaking of which, fans of uh, X Men, we've got some Barry Windsor Smith X Men issues coming up. Sure do. So that'll be something that we'll talk about. Heck yeah! So anything else? No, that's it, man. Well then, until next time. My name is Jeremy. My name is Adam. And the danger room is closed. Don't cry out loud. Just keep it inside. Learn how to hide your feelings. Fly high and proud. And if you should fall, remember you almost had it. saw that when they pulled the big top down They left behind her dreams among